Hello, Journey Class. Good to see everybody. Hope you enjoyed the uh, little polka music there. That was a special request. Somebody wanted to hear some good old-fashioned polka, so I had to cue that up. Uh, let me get my recorder going. Everything looks good. Got papers everywhere. Um, just a second, my producer is talking to me. What? Yes. Uh, just one moment, please. Uh. Yeah, okay, we're fine. I think we're good. Yeah. All right, sorry. All right. Uh, we have a little technical difficulty. All right. Hope everybody's doing okay. I was going to count on the calendar how many weeks we've been doing this since March 22nd, but uh, I didn't do that. But I know it's gone on for quite a while. So uh, first, want to give a couple of quick announcements. Uh, the biggest announcement would be that the uh, the Missouri Phase One ends tomorrow. So next Sunday, June 21st, mark your calendars, because uh, HBF will be back to normal service times. So next Sunday, here in the library, where I'm at now, 9 o'clock, we'll be having our journey class, followed by the 1030 church service. I believe also the kids wing is, is open, at least partially. I'm not positive on that, but I know next Sunday is also the the uh, promotion week alright um, there's a men's breakfast that's tentatively scheduled for next Saturday uh, I haven't heard for sure if that's going to happen so that's something we can uh, we'll probably hear more about that this week and another uh, event that's coming up that's near and dear to, to me and Sherry would be our, our daughter Lauren is graduating from HBI the Heartland Bible Institute. Uh, the, the graduation is on Sunday, June 28th. It's in the evening at 6 p.m. here at uh, HBF. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. She's uh, That's a four-year course that she's completed. So with that, uh, let me uh, flip over here to some slides. Um, for some contact info that we put up every week. Uh, I think most of us know this information. Uh, the Facebook and YouTube sites for HBF. But something new I did want to put up that I don't know if we've mentioned much of. You know, we've been doing all these Facebook Live uh, sessions since March 22nd. And uh, Brianna has been collecting all of those sessions and, and it's on the HBF website there the, the under podcasts mm -hmm. under the journey class so you know Steve's done some really good teaching on Israel and and he he finished up with uh, a couple of sessions on Ruth uh, two weeks ago and anything that I've done it's all out there on that on that uh, website on the HBF website all right speaking of that let me look here and see if there's anything else going on uh, uh, oh yeah yeah okay yeah I've already mentioned next week I'll have the handouts because uh, that we may have missed in the last that the handouts that we used uh, sometimes didn't come through on the Facebook live so we'll have those next week alright candy bar bonus questions <clears throat> you know we've had some really good teaching over the last few weeks uh, you know, as as my custom is, I have to do a kind of a wrap up. So, I don't know if we have any folks online. We got a few people online, so that's good. So, you may remember way back when, uh, seems like six years ago now, but back May third, first of May, Steve did a couple sessions on the twelve disciples, and he covered three of them specifically that are called the inner circle. So, if you know who the three disciples are that that are considered the inner circle. Put that in the comments. I've already bought like three packs of candy bars, so I'll be giving them out next week whenever we're back in the library here. So I'll be uh, I'll be keeping track. So if you know who the three disciples who are the inner circle, 
type it in the comments. My executive producer assistant <laughs> is here uh, monitoring the, the comments as they come in. Uh, okay. Oh, Zach's on. Good deal. All right. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. All of the disciples died a violent death except for one of them. One of the disciples went on to live a pretty long life. He lived to be almost 100 years old. And he ended up writing five books in our New Testament. If you know who that disciple is, put it in the comments uh, or in a candy bar. And one of, the, one of the things that Steve really pointed out in his teaching is that the disciples were very different. They came from different political backgrounds, social backgrounds, uh, occupations, different belief systems. But they came together to serve the Lord because they were all available. That was that's really the kind of the, the the trait that they all shared in common is that they were available. It's a really good lesson for us. Okay, Brian Parrott, Peter, James, John, and then John is the one that didn't die. Okay, sounds like Brian may be uh, earning some. I, I think I've already got a whole case for for Brian Parrott. <laughs> all right, so now then Steve covered. The Book of Ruth, uh, very, very good book. It's pregnant with meaning, as Brian, Brian Hedges would say. There are two books in our Bible named after women. Steve covered one, the Book of Ruth. What other book is named after a woman? If you know that one, write it down. Another thing uh, Steve talked about was Ruth was discipled by her mother-in-law. Do you know what Ruth's mother-in-law's name is? If so, you can type it in there. Um, Ruth is a story of a... Uh, it's it's really a, a very cool story about a Gentile woman who joins God's family by being redeemed and married to God's man for her, which he's called the kinsman redeemer, which Ruth is a type of us. We were, we're, we're Gentiles. We're outside of God's family until we met the man that's going to take care of us and save us. So if you know what Ruth's husband was in the story of Ruth, type type his name in there. Okay, so let's see how everybody did here. Here's the answers. Uh, Peter, James, and John. Sounds like Brian Parrott was first on the trigger with that one. Uh, those are the three inner the the inner three. Those are the three that Jesus often took special places and special miracles around those guys. Uh, of the twelve disciples, John is the only one that didn't die a violent death. He lived to be a quite an old guy. Wrote the book of Revelation. Um, I'm sure Brian knew that one. Esther is the second book in our Bible named after a woman. Ruth is the Gentile that uh, marries into Israel, whereas Esther is a Jewish girl that becomes a queen of a Gentile nation. So they're kind of like opposites in that way. But uh, that that also is a very good book. Did anyone get Esther? Yes. I yeah. think Brian Parrott, I'm sure. Uh, oh, Amita you said Amita did. did. Oh, Amita's on. All right. We'll probably see her in a few hours. And then Boaz or something. Uh, yeah, Boaz. Now, Ruth's mother-in-law, her name was Naomi. And Steve talked about that relationship, how Ruth followed Naomi to back to Bethlehem. Boaz is the name of Ruth's husband. Yeah. And then Steve gave us the old uh, who was Boaz before he knew Ruth. He was, of course, ruthless, which is good. All right, so all that being said, let me uh, let me flip back over here to me. All right, I got to get comfy here. Ah. I should have brought a pillow tonight. What we're going to talk about tonight, it's kind of it's it's about discipleship, but it's kind of a kind of a sub discipleship. We're going to talk about the the mysteries the seven mysteries that have been given to the church, to us, to believers in this day and age, that we are to be good stewards of. Now, there, that's, that's, there's a lot in that sentence, and I think a lot of us have probably heard of the seven mysteries, so this probably isn't going to be new material. It may be for some. Uh, tonight, we're going to kind of focus on the importance of learning these seven mysteries and being familiar with them. So let me uh, let me flip back over here to the screen. So, introduction to the seven mysteries, and the key word for tonight is going to be stewardship. And uh, this will probably all make sense as we get going, but uh, just just trust me here for now. We're just going to talk about stewardship. 
So, actually, let me go back. So when you think of the word stewardship, uh, I guess what do you think of? It's a word we hear quite a bit around here. Brian says a lot. Uh, Steve says a lot. I say a lot. We all we all say stewardship because it's a it's an important concept, especially for you know us believers. It means we're taking care of something important. You know, and I I looked up the uh, the old 1828 Webster Dictionary definition. A steward is a person employed in a great family, you know, rich family, to manage the affairs of the house. You know, we think of it as like a head butler. A steward is a person that takes care of their master's things. Uh, Ships and ocean liners have stewards. Actually, the Titanic uh, had like 400 stewards on the on the ship. Uh, they take care of the passengers' stuff. When you got on the Titanic, you could hand your valuables and, and anything else that you didn't that you wanted safekeeping to the steward, and the steward could put it in the ship safe, uh, keep it safe for the journey. And then when you get to New York or wherever the Titanic was headed, I think it was New York, uh, you would get your stuff back. So that's what an ocean steward now. The steward does. Now, airlines also used to have stewardesses. I think now they call them flight attendants. But you get on an airplane back in the day, and they, they help make you comfortable. Anything you need, Cokes, pillow, you know, they, they take care of you. Uh, hotels still have uh, concierges. A concierge is a, is a, a uh, French word for steward. And an important thing to think about with a steward, they're taking care of other people's stuff, but in the end, they do receive a reward for a job well done. And that's something that that will uh, impact us. Now, in the Bible, the Bible definition of a steward is, you know, slightly different in a way. The Bible definition is taking care of God's things, things that God cares about until he returns to reclaim them. Um, now, there's there's many stewards in the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve were stewards. You know, he put them in the Garden of Eden. Noah, Eliezer, you may remember, was the steward over Abraham's house. Uh, Zeba, he was the steward with King David, uh, one of the servants. That he actually was in the Mephibosheth story. And then Paul and Timothy... Uh, lots of stewards in the Bible. Uh, and, and one of the famous ones would be Joseph in Genesis 39.4. You know, remember, Joseph was a slave. Technically, he was a slave, but he advanced to the number two position in, in the kingdom of Egypt. And he found grace in the, the Egyptian Potiphar's sight. He served him, and Potiphar made him overseer over his house and all that he put his hand into his hand. So Joseph is a slave that is given uh, like total control and overseeing the things that the master cares about. So it's kind of the same situation with us. You know, we are we are still you know slaves under bondage, so to speak, and we're given uh, stewardship of things God cares about. It kind of reminds me. Uh, let me flip it back to me. All right. It kind of reminds me of <clears throat> if you have ever watched someone's kids for them while they go to the movies, then you have been a steward of of their kids. They entrusted you with something very, very valuable that they knew that when they returned, you would give them that valuable thing back unharmed and, and unblemished. You know, whenever we go on a trip. Uh, and we want someone to come to our house and take care of our animals or take care of the house, water the plants. They are stewards of our house while we're gone. And when we return, we expect to be, you know, that they've taken care of, of the things and they valued them as much as we did. Imagine coming home from a vacation and, and find out that your steward, you know, sold your dog. They got tired of feeding it every day, so they sold your dog. They didn't water your plants because they got tired of watering them all the time. Uh, that would not be a good steward. So, with that in mind, what I did, uh, I kind of went through our, my Bible, 
and I just quickly I found seven things that God cares about that he's actually made us stewards of these are things that God has given to us that he wants us to take care of and so whenever he returns he's going to expect us to give these things back uh, number seven there at the bottom is the mysteries of God and that's kind of where we're headed but let's just kind of quickly go through these in order and I, I think you'll see what I'm talking about the first one was creation let me flip back uh, the the earth, the land, and the animals I mean obviously God cares about creation he made He made man in, in his image and in Genesis 126 here he gives us uh, dominion over everything so he basically created creation and then handed it to man and said, okay, you take care of it until I come back. Uh, and, there's, uh, and then later on, he actually puts Adam and Eve in a garden, take care of this land and dress it until I come back. And then we know the tragic story there. It didn't go so well. But uh, in Colossians, it talks about how God created everything in heaven and earth, uh, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. Everything is created by him and for him. But yet we're the stewards of these things, and he and he's coming back to reclaim it. The psalmist in Psalms 24, the earth, the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein, we're all the Lord's. This is all His stuff that we're taking care of right now. Um, and t- talking about the land specifically, I think this is pretty interesting. There are specific, um, like like God built laws into the Levitical law that they need to take care of the land you know it's it's his land the land should not be sold forever the land is god's and there are several uh levitical laws that they work the land for six years and then they let it rest you know they're not to overwork the land they're to be good stewards of it they're to take care of the land and and same with the um the trees here i think this is kind of a neat story God's telling them when Israel, when you go up against a, a city to take it, don't cut down all the trees. Don't go in there with a scorch the earth attitude and 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 abuse the land that you don't need to abuse. You need to leave the trees because you're going to need food. Uh, don't be careless and reckless and scorch the earth. <clears throat> and what I think about is cool about this. You you probably know from the from our past studies that trees in the Bible are always a type of people. So if you look at this in that way, that spiritually, as I'm going through the, the battles of life and going through my spiritual warfare, I'm not to cut down the people, the trees in my life, because I need them. So I think it's kind of a double meaning out of this, this little thing. Israel was physically not to cut out the trees, and we're spiritually not to cut them out. So, so they were to be, to be good stewards of the land that they lived in. And same as the animals. And this, I love animals. I think Angie, I know, is an animal lover. There's a lot of animal lovers in our class. And the Bible has a lot to say about being uh, taking care of our animals and not abusing them. And here's a couple of my favorites. That a righteous man, someone that's right, that God thinks is right, regards the life of, of animals. You know, we take care of our animals. We're stewards of his animals. Uh, and then 1227, we've heard the old saying that if you kill it, you should eat it type of thing. Like the, the, uh, the American Indians didn't kill anything unless they intended on eating it. That's actually in the Bible here. In Proverbs 1227, that the slothful man, he doesn't eat that which he took in hunting. He just kills for the fun of it. But a, a diligent, you know, righteous person regards that animal and only only eat only kills what he needs to eat so you know again we're to be stewards of the animals and not abuse them all right so that's creation next thing god cares about we know he cares about people number two there um you know and what what better way to say that than john three sixteen that that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life of course, he, he loves people, and and I like this verse. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. So if you need an excuse to get up early to seek the Lord, it's actually in Proverbs 8.17 there. 
that you know I love getting up early watching the sun come up I usually sit outside on my deck and uh, read my Bible and another way of looking at this is that those that seek me early in life as in young folks shall find him because it is a kind of a statistical fact that most people get saved you know 30 or younger so the younger folks that seek the Lord do find him and it gets harder and harder as we get older um, so anyway those are those are a couple of verses that God loves people and then Jesus I put this in red because Jesus spoke this that we should love God and love people uh, love the guy with all thy heart soul and the strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor so that's a commandment from Jesus to love your neighbor love God love people uh, so we know he loves people all right then our physical bodies this is something else that God cares about that we're to be stewards of. Uh, you probably recognize this verse here, 1 Corinthians 6.19. This is actually a, a memory verse out of Discipleship 1 lesson on the Holy Spirit, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and he, he cares deeply about what we do with our bodies and where we take it because you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. You know, think about... Moses and the guys in the Old Testament, they wouldn't drag the tabernacle through, you know, a, a mud hole, take it somewhere where it shouldn't go. We should have the same attitude with our bodies and not take our bodies somewhere that that we that God shouldn't be. Um, and in Psalms one thirty nine, this is kind of about our bodies, how it's they're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God put a lot of Effort, I guess, and, and work into making these beautiful bodies we have. Uh, we, we're to be stewards of them and take care of them. He cares about our bodies, so we should too. Another favorite I have is uh, in Third John. I remember I brought this out whenever we covered Third John, but Paul here in, in Third John is writing to a, an elder guy named Gaius. He's a he's a good he's a believer. He's got a church in his own house. And Paul's telling him, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So basically he's telling Gaius, I, I wish I want your physical health to be as good as your spiritual health. I mean Gaius spiritually was strong and healthy and fruitful. And he's really and Paul is uh, saying, I wish above all things that your physical body would be as healthy as your spirit. Um, which is you know another another cool thing about our bodies is in Proverbs where there are several different places in Proverbs. I know uh, Proverbs three two. I didn't put the verse on here, but in Proverbs three two, God promises a long peaceful life to to those that love His commandments. You know the old saying about good living. You know you live a long life with that good living. It's it's kind of it's Bible. All right, so He cares about our physical bodies. We're to take care of them or not to abuse them. Our spiritual health, of course, he also cares about. And I think this is this is my excuse why I don't exercise in the morning. Uh, bodily exercise profits very little. Godliness is profitable unto all things. So basically it's saying uh, exercise, I mean, it is, of course, important. We need to keep our bodies in shape. But there's not an eternal value to exercise as there is to be in spiritual health, the godliness. Uh, so he's encouraging us to focus on our spiritual health, take care of that, you know, as well as your physical health. And then again, another proverb. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop. And this is kind of showing the tie-in between having a heavy heart. Having a heavy heart will actually affect you physically. We know that. Uh, but this is kind of a verse bringing that out. But a, but a good word makes it glad. And what can be a better word than the good good word, the good news of the gospel that the Lord Jesus died for us and took our place, um, that took the punishment for us. So uh, that, that with that good word, our, we should not be heavy-hearted, because that's actually in Luke fourteen or four eighteen is one of the reasons he came. And this is Jesus speaking. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. So here is a verse clearly that Jesus came for our phys- help us physically to heal our bodies, the blindness, and heal us spiritually, our broken hearts that we have. Uh, so we need that good word that he brings to, uh, to heal us. All right, next thing God cares about. And these, are, again, are all things that he cares about that he wants us to care about as well and to be stewards of. And this is our resources, number five. And our resources would be, um, let me flip back over to me here, all the, all the things that he gives us in life. Um, I didn't put a bunch of verses because it's, it's, there's a bunch of them. I just had to pick a few for each category. He gives us, he's given me anyway, a, a you know, beautiful spouse, beautiful kids, a great job. I have my health. I have my abilities. I have my talents. I have so many great things. And I'm sure you guys are, are the same. God's given us so many great things. Uh, he's given us so many resources uh, in our life that he, he wants us to use those resources wisely and be good stewards of those. You know, I need to be good stewards of my producer here, Sherry, good <laughs> stewards of my kids at my job and um, <laughs> things that he wants me to take care of. He cares about those things. He gave them to me. Now I'm to be a good steward of those things. Now, one of the reasons, uh, well, let me flip back over here. Well, this, this is one of the verses that talks about that, you know, each man should provide for his own, especially, you know, the, the Christians here that we need to provide for our own. And that we need to provide for our pastor. So he gives us all these resources so we can be good stewards and provide for our family and for our church. You know, this is like speaking of Brian, our pastors that uh, are worthy of double honor because they labor in the word and doctrine for us. And then the poor. These are our kids. And let me get to this verse in a second. He, let me flip back over here. He gives us all these resources because he expects us to take care of our family and our church and the things that God cares about. So that's that's how we be a good how we are a good steward of those things. Um, now, I like this verse: "A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children." So this okay, your children's children are your grandkids. This is saying that you should be such a good steward of your resources that you're able to leave an inheritance, you're able to financially help your grandkids, your kids and your grandkids and yourself. So I think this is a cool verse uh, really showing that that we are to be good stewards of our resources and help our, our future generations out. Steve said thanks for being a good steward, Jim. Oh, Steve's telling me a good steward. Yeah, you guys may have noticed there's a lot of Proverbs in this. Uh, I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm just thinking of it. But uh, one of the things, this is, I'm kind of off subject here, but one of the things that uh, I've had more time lately, and I think a lot of us have uh, with the COVID, but I made a commitment to read the book of Proverbs every day. And I did it for a week. And it was so much fun um, just reading the entire book. I don't know how long it took, maybe an hour and a half. I didn't do notes. I didn't really try to you know, do a study. I just read the book of Proverbs. And uh, it was just so much fun and enlightening. The Proverbs are just so rich with just its instructions for life. So whenever I was putting this lesson together, all these Proverbs just kept coming back to my mind that, Hey, it says that in Proverbs. And hey, it says this in Proverbs. And so uh, I've had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, I encourage you, if you have the time and, and desire to read through the book of Proverbs every day, you'll, it's really cool the things you'll pick up. All right, so anyway, back on, back on task here. What else does God care about? All right, this is a big one. The manifold grace of God. What in the heck is that? Well, if we look over in 1 Peter 4.10, uh, I'm going to try to dissect this out here. Um, I kind of call this the Spider-Man verse, in a way, because it's really, about, it's really about the responsibility we have 
with the gifts that we've been given. You know, I think in the movie Spider-Man, his Uncle Ben told him with, with I'm trying to remember, it's been years since I've seen it, with great responsibility comes, with great powers come great responsibility. I think that's how it went, something to that effect. All right, I'm getting off subject. Now I'm thinking about Spider-Man. All right. <laughs> Manifold grace of God. Let's get back on track. Let's look at First Peter 4.10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Well, here it just flat out tells us that we're to be stewards of the manifold grace of God. Well, what is the manifold grace of God? Well, first you got to look at the word manifold. Manifold is an old English word, many folds. It's kind of where that word come from. And folds meaning numerous, abundant things. So manifold, you could replace it with the word uh, numerous. So we're to be good stewards of the numerous graces of God, the, the abundant grace of God. The word manifold is in the Bible eight times, and it usually speaks of attributes of God. You know, God's manifold works, his you know many works, his manifold mercies, his many abundant mercies, God's manifold wisdom. All those little phrases are in there. Uh, attributes of God, numerous. So all right. So now back. We're to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. All of our lives as believers, God, God's grace flows into our life. Brian actually touched on this this morning. God's grace impacts my life, Jim Stovall, in many, many ways, numerous, manifold ways. His grace saved me. Uh, I think Ephesians 2, 8, 9. His, his grace saves us. His grace it gives me strength for daily living. It gives me uh, assistance. Uh, it, it, his grace it, it works in my life, helping me uh, in my sanctification, separating from the world. Uh, you know, I have God's grace through suffering. Uh, I have God's grace. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say dealing with my spouse, but I better not go there. <laughs> no, but God's grace is manifold in my life, and He is in in your life too. God's grace is active in so many ways in our lives. And the next, uh, I might have to flip back, but the next part of this verse, the, the verse, the passage continues on that and he's talking about gifts. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man is a minister, let him do it as to the ability which God give us, that God may be glorified in all things in Jesus Christ to whom be praised uh, and dominion forever and ever. So the, the passage goes on to talk about our gifts of speaking and teaching and ministering. So let me, let me flip back. So as every man hath received the gift, we all have gifts. God has given all of us special gifts. And this is actually part of the discipleship with, with uh, our, our spiritual gifts. They're outlined in 1 Corinthians 12. Remember that passage... Actually, let me flip back. i got to flip back so you guys know I'm really here. I'm not a robot. Um, there are several times Paul would give lists of the gifts that we are given as believers. You know, you got teachers, you got evangelists, you got preachers. Uh, some people have the gift of service where they just, they're behind the scenes knocking things out. Uh, people have the gifts working with kids. People have uh, gifts of mercy and compassion. We all have these gifts that God gives all of us believers and you have a gift I know what my gifts are one of my gifts is administration you know I I can take an ugly thing a project or something and kind of make some sense out of it I can whip out a spreadsheet like nobody's business but um, your gift is is usually something that you enjoy doing that you're good at that assists in the body. Uh, just assist. You know, the 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 end goal is that we're, we're many members of one body. So your gift is to help the body out. So now, now knowing that, let's look at the verse again. As every man hath received the gift, you have received a gift. So think in your mind what the gift that is, whether it's prayer, mercy, what all of them that I mentioned. 
minister the same one to another as good stewards of that grace that you've been given, the, the abundant grace. You should take that gift. God has given you that gift. And you need to be a good steward of that gift. Um, and another thing that's kind of implying is if you're going to use, if you're going to be a good steward of God's gift that He gave you to use it in the church, that implies you need to be involved in the church. Uh, it's no good if I have the gift of administration, but I don't ever leave my house. You know, I try to be involved in things here at the church, and I use my gifts where I can. And you have gifts. All of us in our class have gifts that we should all be involved in. You know, the, the old saying is having a hand to the plow. We should all have our hand to the plow with our gift to help further the mission and further the kingdom here. So God cares about, let me go back to the verse here, God cares about the gift that he gave you, and he wants you to be a good steward of that gift, the manifold grace of God that's working in your life. And then again, whether you're teaching, preaching, Whatever ability you, God has given you, that you do all things in His name. So I think that's a pretty neat one. So the last one, things that God cares about that we're to be stewards of are the mysteries of God. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Um, the anchor verse is in 1 Corinthians 4, 1. And there it is there. So if, uh, if you got your Bible there, actually I'm going to flip over to mine. 1 Corinthians 4.1 Paul actually in this passage he's kind of defending um, he, he's kind of come under fire by the Corinthian church remember they were a pretty carnal church they were like the church in Vegas or something they were still kind of carnal and they were uh, kind of doubting or questioning Paul's authority so he's kind of going through this little little passage here explaining who he is so he says, let a man so account of us, you know, account of me, I'm a minister of Christ, and he's stewards of the mysteries of God. And then verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So there's a lot in this verse 2 uh, to think about. So again, you know, God's actually calling us stewards of these mysteries. Um, let me flip back over here. Alright. Alright, so stewards of a mystery. So first you think, what in the world is this mystery that he's referring to in the verse? There are a lot of mysteries in the Bible. And first I wanted to define mystery. Uh, a mystery isn't like a spooky thing that we can't know, we don't know the origin of. You know, like a UFO or something. A mystery in this context in the Bible is just a hidden truth that God wants to reveal to us through Scripture. Uh, lots of mysteries. Some are given to Israel. Some are some were actually given to the twelve disciples. Uh, some of the mysteries, seven actually, are actually called out and given to us as New Testament believers. So, he, so what Paul, let me flip back over to this verse, what Paul is saying here that the ministers of Christ, us, the journey class, we are also stewards of these mysteries of God. So God has mysteries, things he wants to reveal to us, specific mysteries that we're to take care of and uh, share with other people, know about, learn about. And we're to be good stewards of those mysteries. Alright, so let me flip back over here. And here's the list. There's seven that are called out in scripture. And and actually let me let me flip back over here. This is the way I learned these guys years and years ago. Uh, when I was a young man. Actually, uh, it wasn't that long ago, but <laughs> I have a, uh, you know, there's, this. I'm going to get off subject to Tad, but, you know, there's there's seven mysteries, there's seven baptisms, there's seven resurrections, there's, there's seven things that we're not to be ignorant of, there's lots of lists in the Bible, and there's no way my human brain can remember all these things. But what I do do, do-do, uh, that's actually a guy in the Old Testament, but anyway, what I do do is I have an anchor verse, 
So for the mysteries, 1 Corinthians 4.1 is my anchor verse in my Bible. So what I do in my Bible, I wrote, these are the seven mysteries that I'm to be a steward of, and I put the first one is in 1 Timothy 3.16. That's all. So all i got to remember is 1 Corinthians 4.1. If, if I'm at work and someone says, what are the 12 mysteries? 1 Corinthians 4.1, and I've got... I've got them listed out in order, and then I go to, you know, and then in, in Timothy I'll put this is number one, number two is in Ephesians five twenty two, so that way I can kind of trace through my Bible. So in my Bible I just know the anchor verses, you know, if someone asks me about the judgments or the baptisms or or whatever, I've got the anchor verse to that subject. That's all I've got to know. I don't have to know off the top of my head where all of them are at because I've got them wrote down. But anyway, so that's a little sidetrack, but. That's how I did it. So whenever I put this lesson together, I just simply went to 1 Corinthians 4.1 and, and just took notes out of my Bible. And here, here's the seven mysteries. Um, and we're going we're gonna to start actually going through these guys next week. But here's why it's important. And this is a, this is a little image I, I grabbed from, uh, I think it was out of one of the First Peter or something. All right, here's the deal. Knowing being stewards of the mysteries ties in with discipleship because it's very important and, and here's why. God has all this this cool stuff that He wants us to learn. And he doesn't just want us to learn it because it's cool, but it is. But it's actually a safety net. And then uh, I've kind of mentioned this before, but as you read as you read your Bible and you learn truth, it's like you're weaving a net. So when you when you go through discipleship 1, each time you go through a lesson, you're weaving this net. It's a safety net that whenever the trials of life hit you hard or you hear something or you read something or you you have a question on why why this, why did this happen, you've got this safety net to help keep you on track so you don't get hurt, so you don't fall and get hurt. So as we learn these mysteries, we're going to be threading this net, you know, of, of how God was manifest in the flesh, uh, the, the truth about the church, you know, who is this mystery of iniquity. And it's probably hard to see on your phones, but I've listed all the seven mysteries in that net. So whenever we have, have all these truths woven into a net and they're actually held up by Bible verses and passages that we're familiar with we build ourselves a safety net that as we hear false doctrine we're able to to not fall and then get hurt which kind of leads me to this next slide here is you know i got this off the pew research center they're they're a famous uh, survey group 65% of Jehovah Witness, and I, I'm not really picking on them, it's just I've seen this statistic right off off the bat there, so I, I took it down. 65% of Jehovah Witness are converts from what we would consider an evangelical Christian faith, which you've probably heard this before, that most cults are made up of members who were former, you know, Baptist, Assembly of God, you know, different faiths that were, where they probably did get saved, but they never learned in a Bible. They never learned why they, you know, how they got saved and all the the detail. So they never built themselves a safety net to fall to keep them from falling. So then, as a Jehovah Witness or some other cult came to their door and challenged them, they didn't have this net to keep them upright. So that's why it's so important that Paul says we need to be stewards of these mysteries. We need to learn these mysteries because pretty much every cult is going to uh, uh, be a corruption of these seven mysteries because they really are core beliefs of our faith. The first one we're going to talk about next week is 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 the uh, deity of Christ. You know, man, God that God was actually manifest in the flesh, uh, and that is pretty much one of the main. Um, corruptions that are out there in cults so by having that that mystery down you've you've that's a good thread to have in your net that you know who jesus was so anyway um that's that's why it's important 
And then I just jotted down some more reasons why it's important to know these foundational truths of our faith. Is that you know we're going to learn more about God, His love, and His character. And, you know, God's word. As we build this net with these truths, it, it will it can transform your mind and your life. Um, gives us instructions. You know, it's our daily bread, our nourishment, and we learn a lot about God's promises. And in all of those uh, mysteries here, let me flip back over. There's different promises given to us um, that, are, that we'll we'll get to as we get to them. But anyway, we'll learn promises. God's going to teach us wisdom, discernment, comfort, joy, all these great reasons why we need to learn these mysteries. And God knows we need to learn them. He wants us to be stewards of these mysteries. That's why That's why he put that in there in, in um, 1 Corinthians 4. Um, let me flip back over. So now we've got... Okay, this is the list again. So these are... And again, these are things that God cares about. That he wants you and me to be stewards of. Um, then I, guess I don't know if I put the verse in here. But one of the... If you, if you still have your Bible open in 1 Corinthians 4, 2... He says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So, we're to be stewards of these things. We need to be faithful. So, think about how you're doing, how am I doing with this this simple list, I mean, of seven things that we know God cares about. You know, how are we doing with, with, you know, creation? You know, treating the earth, leaving it better than we came with people, with with our bodies. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible on the physical bodies. You know, Jimmy loves his food buffets. Uh, I'll be glad when Golden Corral opens up again. Mm. But uh, you know, we gotta have moderation. We gotta, we gotta take care of our physical bodies and our our spiritual health. Definitely. How are you doing with your resources? You know, God's given us a lot of things. Uh, I mean, if 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 we were to talk to, let me flip back over here. If we were to talk to your neighbors. Uh, how would they say you're doing on these things? How, how would my neighbors think I'm doing with my animals, with with uh, with all the things God's given me? How about my banker? If you used to go to Garden City Bank and say, hey, how's Jim doing with his money? Is he being a good steward? You know, am I spending all my money somewhere I shouldn't be? Or, you know, is it mostly ties and things that I should be helping people out with? So just kind of think about how you're stewarding. And then all of the gifts, the manifold grace of God. And the mysteries. You know, if you don't know all the mysteries, you know, stick around, stay tuned. We're going to go through them over the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, there it is. I did write it down that we need to be faithful with these guys. Now, here's why. Here's another reason we need to be faithful. The judgment seat of Christ. You know, I said at the beginning, stewards, one of the things with a steward is they do get paid. They get a reward for their stewardship. And those those things that God has given us to take care of, there is a uh, a reward coming. And, and Brian alluded to this this morning also. Our our awards. Let me flip back over. Our rewards for being a steward will be the judgment seat of Christ. When we were saved and, and believed on the Lord, we were judged as a sinner. And, you know, our, our judgment now has been taken by Christ. Well, now he's given us these things to take care of. So we're going through life taking care of things, taking care of business. Well, when we die, there will be a day in the future uh, when we will face the Lord and he will look at what we have done as a steward. How well did we take care of that list of seven and, and lots of other things, too? Um, and that... How did Brian say it? I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, that's the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the day of terror, actually, because I don't think any of us are as good as stewards as, as God would want us to be. Uh, now I put down some verses, Romans 4.12, 1 Corinthians 3.8, 2 Corinthians 5.10. There's several different passages that talk about the judgment seat of Christ and how we get our, our reward. Um, so now I'm going to talk about stewardship. How are we doing with that? I guess that's it. I thought that had more slides, but that's actually 62 slides. So anyway, 
I'm going to wrap up there. It's 10 till. I'm a little bit early, which is okay. So my main, my main point I want to get across today is this. We are here, believers, when once you're a believer, you're to take care of God's stuff. You know, lots of stuff that he wants us to take care of and be good stewards of. And one of those is the seven mysteries that are given to the church. Um, you know, because I, I think sometimes when people think, oh, we're going to study the seven mysteries, it's like, I already have heard the seven. I don't really need to know the seven. But it really is important. It's important to God that we take care of these for him. And uh, and there's a lot of good reasons, and I, I hope I've communicated the reasons we need to know those things. Uh, that's to build that safety net, you know, weave by weave, thread by thread, you're constructing that safety net that will protect you from, from bad things. So, um, with that... I think I will end it. Is there any, any particular comment or anything? My producer's checking. I'm really uh, looking forward to next Sunday seeing everybody. Uh, 9 o'clock, library, be here. I'll have, a, I'll have a big old stack of candy bars to give out to all the people that have answered correctly over the last few weeks. Uh, I know on prayer requests, we've been praying for, I know, Rich's sister, uh, Pam, some of Pam's family. Uh, I had a list somewhere. Diane Fugate's dad. Oh, yeah, Diane Fugate's dad fell. Oh, not Fugate, Diane Trude. Her dad fell last night. All right, so I'm going to wrap up then. No questions or anything? No? All right, everybody's good. Everybody. So if you want to, actually, I should have put, where's uh, one moment here? One moment. I'm scrolling. Scrolling through. Scrolling back. All right, here we go. We're going to dive into the first one or two mysteries next week. 1 Timothy 3.16, Ephesians 5.22. Oh, you're going to make us get ready. So if, you want, uh, if you're sitting around the house this week and say, hey, I want to learn a mystery or two, you can go to 1 Timothy 3.16 and uh, you can teach me something next week. Which isn't too hard to do. So, All right, let's uh, wrap up in uh, some prayer and we'll, we'll be out of here. Lord, I do thank you so much for the opportunity to... Uh, just talk about your word, Lord, and, and all the wonderful things you've taught me over the years. I just, I just thank you for that, Lord, and all the gifts you've given me and all of our class, Lord. Just just such good good people in our class. Uh, looking forward to seeing them next week. And continue to lift up those that we're praying for, uh, Rich's sister, Pam's family, uh, Diane Trude's dad, uh, just all the, the suffering and things that are going on in, in church, Lord, that you know about. just want to give all that to you and just have faith and uh, that you'll you'll do the right thing and uh, all this according to your will. And uh, just thank you again, Lord, for all you do for us. And look forward to next week and bring us all back safely together. And I ask these things in the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. I will see you next week. Mm-hmm. All right. That's really good. <laughs> Yeah, so it's off now. We're going all right. Okay, turn off your... Deal. Perfect.